Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast. And today we're asking the big question, does diet soda help you lose weight? And the answer, I don't wanna keep in suspense is maybe, but let's, it's a little more to it than that. So it depends on your situation, I suppose. But let's talk about the good sides and the bad sides to it. Because <clears throat> yeah, one of my core philosophies is everything's good and bad, okay? And it depends how we look at it, it depends on the context and the situation. So how can diet soda help you lose weight? Well, I suppose one way is if you're drinking sodas right now, regular sodas, and those sodas have a lot more calories in it. Not a lot, but, but more calories than the diet sodas. And those calories add up, especially if you're drinking a number of sodas a day, and that's a regular thing for you. Um, so in that example, when you if, you if everything stayed exactly the same, you drink a lot of sodas, and then you shift over to diet soda, that'll probably help you lose weight, okay? Um, but how is it not helping you lose weight? And again, I'm more interested in weight mastery, all right? And so what I mean by that is I want you to be able to live at your goal weight for the rest of your life on near autopilot. And I think there's two ways in which diet sodas aren't helping you as much as water, um, you know, carbonated drinks with some flavoring in them that are, that are a bit more natural. Um, and this is why, there's two big reasons. The first thing is, when you're drinking diet uh, sodas, they're usually using the artificial sweetener. And what happens is when your body tastes the sweetness is that it starts to prepare for a glucose increase. And so what happens is you start to release insulin and you start to drop your glucose levels. And that can actually trigger you to feel hungry. Okay, so you're drinking the diet soda, but again, the signal it's sending to your body because of the sweetness is that there's calories coming, so let's prepare for it. So it makes you hungry, right? And so um, you may not be realizing that. So yeah, the soda, again, keeping the same between soda and diet soda, the diet soda may be a bit better, um, but compared to water, you know what I mean? It, it certainly loses a, a lot of its luster there. And of course you wanna master your weight. And so if you start to drink you know, more natural drinks that don't have those artificial sweeteners, um, what's going to happen is your body's not going to get that response. And so you're not going to get as hungry. Okay. Now, the second thing, and this is my big one, and this really goes towards weight mastery. And, and this one I think is, is probably the biggest effect, right? And this is why I would not suggest drinking diet sodas. I would, I would suggest strongly um, getting yourself off of them as quick as possible is that that sweetness of the, the fake sugar or real sugar, again, both of these fall in the same category here, that sweetness is calibrating your tongue to very sweet, unnatural flavors. So that when you're drinking diet sodas, when you're drinking regular sodas, you are not going to find fruits, vegetables, greens and beans, natural unprocessed foods as enjoyable because the sodas are a hyper palatable food, right? They're so sweet. And what happens is our tongues get calibrated to that level of sweetness. So anything that's below that you know, is going to seem it kind of pales in comparison, right? And so it seems really boring and bland and we don't want to eat it. So in this sense, I think the sodas are a real problem, whether it's a regular soda or a diet soda with no calories in it, is it's going to make it harder for you to eat healthier when you're drinking these regularly. And I can tell you as someone who has been eating very clean, healthy, natural foods for decades at this point, um, I tested this um, last, a couple weeks ago, some people brought kettle corn over. That's kind of a, a sweet corn, you know, if you've ever had it. 
and I ate some before breakfast, right? Which, and I ate the same breakfast Monday through Friday for, for literally my whole life. And I love it, you know, just peanut butter toast and apple peanut butter. I love it, right? And so I ate some of this kettle corn and then I went and ate my, my toast and peanut butter and I didn't enjoy it as much. It didn't taste as good. So again, you have to understand that what you find enjoyable flavor-wise is relative, you know? And so if you're eating hyper palatable foods all the time, this gets beyond just the soda, but you know, if you're eating processed foods, fast foods, junk food, these foods are literally engineered um, flavor-wise and in a lot of other factors to be hyper palatable because that makes them addictive but it also is calibrating your taste simultaneously. Every time you're eating those foods, it's calibrating your tongue to find natural flavors extremely boring and bland. And when you find things boring and bland, it's harder to get yourself to eat them. Now, it's not because they're boring and bland, it's because everything's relative, right? It's kind of like, I don't know, you ever, you ever drive your car and um, you get home, you turn it off and you get in the next morning and the car radio is blasting, right? Because you were listening to it really loud. So it's like, everything's relative, you know? And so when you're eating a hyper palatable diet, um, it's going to be difficult to get yourself to eat the way um, that you need to in order to truly master your weight, your health, and your happiness. And so, again, in that sense, the diet soda can be a temporary um, pathway, you know, to get off the regular sodas, I guess, you know. What I would way strongly more recommend is like the seltzers, you know, they have some flavoring in them. Now, again, that's a nice shift because you're keeping some of the carbonation, so there's some of that, you know, mouth excitement, the mouthfeel. Um, there's some flavoring to it. And so it's, it's more interesting than just water, you know, or tea or whatever your, your plain drink may be. Um, but it gets you off that soda kick. You know, they're not nearly as sweet. And so that's what you want to be looking for. And again, it's really, we're, we're talking about diet sodas here, but this is really a conversation about hyper palatable foods as well. But we'll just keep it to diet sodas, you know, for this conversation. Um, so yeah, so if, if you are drinking diet sodas, again, you're, you're better than just the regular sodas, perhaps, you know, we don't know exactly what those those artificial sweeteners do, but um, but seek to even move yourself further in the other direction um, simply because you'll probably work on reducing your hunger. The less sweetness you're consuming, whether it's sugar or artificial, the less sweetness you're consuming, you're going to find that you're probably going to be less hungry because you're not creating that that hunger response within yourself by you know releasing insulin and lowering the glucose in preparation of the calories that follow sweetness typically. And the second thing is that you're gonna calibrate your tongues to more natural flavors. And that makes the whole process easier. When I get really clean with my eating, there's a huge, again, because everything's relative. So all of a sudden, the flavors of an apple, the flavors of a carrot, the flavors of fruits, vegetables, it takes on more meaning. You know, when all of a sudden you start introducing hyperpalatable foods, it's harder to recognize those, um, th those taste differences that are in natural foods. All right. So, um, yeah, give it a shot. And, and again, test it out. That'd be my first suggestion to you. Give yourself a week, two weeks of testing that out, of moving yourself off of the diet soda if you're drinking them. And notice if it makes eating healthier easier for you. And notice if it's impacting your uh, weight at all. All right. So give that a shot and, and good luck with it. So, already, yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to ask them. Um, someone says, what do you do if you hit a plateau? Um, yeah, I mean, plateaus are, are part of the process. Again, you know, hitting a plateau speaking a relative, right? I mean, hitting a plateau is, is relative to what you're expecting, you know? And what most people expect when they're going to lose weight is they're expecting a straight line of success, you know? And I can tell you, it's it's never like that because I have clients, I don't really track it so much anymore. When I was working with a lot of private clients, we would track their weight. And what you find is you go, boop, 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 boop. It was up, ups and downs, plateaus, all the rest of it. Um, what you're looking for is a trend line going down. 
but, but almost never did you get just a straight line of success. So the first thing about plateaus is to realize they're a natural part of the process. And just if you don't know my whole philosophy, the real goal here is not for you to lose weight. It's for you to get to your goal weight and live the rest of your life on your autopilot. Now, that may sound like the same thing to you, but it's not. And so we really want to orient ourselves to long-term permanent success. And we really, to do that, you got to focus on the process. How am I eating? How am I living? You know, how am I, what am I doing to kind of keep my mindset in check? And so we go into that process knowing there's going to be plateaus. There will be sometimes you put some weight on, um, but we're looking for the trend line. And that trend line is going to go down depending on how you're behaving what you're doing consistently day after day. And so when you hit a plateau, you know, it can, it's a little bit of a bummer for sure, but if all that matters is the weight loss and you're just eating better to lose weight and you hit a plateau, it's, it's a kiss of death, right? But if you hit a plateau knowing that you're building up a new lifestyle, a new way of thinking, a new way of living, a new version of yourself and how you're gonna be, um, it, it doesn't matter, you know what I mean? Cause you're so, you're fixated on, like for me, for example, cause eventually you're gonna hit a plateau of, of their goal weight, right? And once you get to that plateau, the goal weight, how are you going to keep yourself motivated? You know, and so the plateaus you hit along the way are good practice for that. You know, I know you probably don't think of it that way. You just want straight, all, all weight loss. But, you know, even if you cut your calories down, sometimes we lose weight, you know, consistently. And there's just different factors that can impact hitting plateaus, you know. And so, um, you know, when you, when you hit the ultimate plateau of your goal weight, Again, you, you have to be oriented to something other than just the weight loss. And what that thing is, I would suggest, is that you really double down on, you know, my eating, my lifestyle, you know, and the mindset work, um, because you're going to work on those things forever, you know, because plateaus are normal. You know, I, can, I play guitar, right? So it's like I can play guitar every day for a half hour. And it's like, you know, sometimes there's big jumps and sometimes there's plateaus and sometimes there's even dips in it. You know, that is normal and natural. You know, but again, most weight loss people have a very short term time frame. And so it's just about the losing weight. And as soon as it plateaus, it, it feels very discouraging. Right? Is it normal to hit a plateau after three weeks of consistent dieting? Yeah, sure. Sure. Three weeks. Three weeks is nothing. Not, not that you know, I'm proud of you. Good job. You know what I mean? D doing three weeks because that's more than the average person's getting to. But you really, again, the dieter mindset thinks about weight loss in terms of days, weeks, and maybe months. And the weight mastery mindset is thinking about your weight mastery in terms of years, decades, and forever, you know? So again, I suggest you start building that up now because how long do you want to keep the weight off for? You know, and I know it's forever, um, but you know, so, so, so when you hit those plateaus, take it as a challenge of how do I keep myself motivated when the weight's not moving? You know, looking at what you're doing, you know, and asking those sorts of questions. Um, about a week, maybe nine days. Yeah. And then just paying attention to what you're doing, you know, obviously those are the nuts and bolts of it, but um, notice what's going on. But sometimes your body just adjusts, you know, notice if what, what typically happens is people start um, calories sneak in without you being aware of it. You know what I mean? That, that, that's typically the whole thing. Um, can you post a what I eat in a day? Yeah, someone asked that before. It might have been you. I don't know. But yeah, I keep meaning to do that. Um, yeah, just so you can see it. Although I don't like doing that, but I guess I do like I want you to see it, you know, but it's like. What I do is what I do. You know, that's the core part of my program is that you have to come up with your own eating plan, you know? So my eating plan is, is built 1,000% around me, my likes, my preferences, my lifestyle, you know? And um, so if I show it to you, it's just it's so easy for them to say, oh, I can never do that. Well, you're not meant to do that. It's my plan, you know? And so I always work with people in my program to, like, get make your own plan, <laughs> 
you know, um, make a plan that you like to live with, you know, that, that gets you the goals you want as well. You know, but but I, I'll, I'll do it. I, I should do it. <laughs> yeah, Jill knows. Yeah, yeah, vegetables, beans and fruit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Don says, I ditch diet soda once in a while, went out to dinner, treat myself since not having booze. Yeah, that's great. And that's the way it should be used. You know, again, I'm not saying, you know, I look at, um, honestly, I, I don't drink sodas at all. And I, and I wouldn't because I just have a kind of a negative connotation to them now. But um, you know, I eat candy sometimes. And it's like that stuff. I, I eat sugar and I treat the sugar very much like alcohol. You know, where I'm very respectful of it and I'm very, very moderate, you know, with it for sure. Um, Nuka, what's up, Nuka? Um, says, oh, I love your videos. Thank you. I'm really glad. Glad you're liking them. Diane Mom is gay. That's, that's funny. But is it normal to hit a plateau in the first three weeks? Um, I mean, you know, listen, I'll tell you one thing. You know, when it comes to weight loss, I don't know. There's kind of like no normal. <laughs> I, I know you don't want to hear that, but it's like, you know, if, if, if there was a normal, there'd be like a weight loss calculator that was le like accurate. You know what I mean? Like, like they, there are weight loss calculators and they're, they're not really accurate. If, if there was, it would be easier. You know what I mean? If you could just put in like the calories, like they've done. Okay. For example, they do studies. Cause, cause again, you, you got to understand like, you're not even, you're not that accurate most likely, but they've done studies where they're literally measuring the calories they're giving people, like a group of people, and they'll keep them for weeks. And they'll find, you know, some people lose a certain amount of weight. Some people lose a lot less weight. It's, it's variable, same calories, same calorie reductions, but um, different results. And so what you find out and what, I know you don't wanna hear this, but, but weight loss to some degree is unpredictable and uncertain in the short term, okay? In the short term. And the long term, clearly what you're doing consistently is gonna lead to the weight that you're at, all right? Um, is it normal to hit a plateau in the first weeks, three weeks? I don't know, I don't, I don't know your situation, I don't know your body, I don't know what you're eating, I don't, you know, so I don't know. But again, I would use it as an opportunity to kinda, you know, where's your motivation coming from? You know, and build your motivation up with this. Is tracking a good way to lose weight? Uh, you know, if you love tracking, you know, if you like tracking and love doing that, then sure. If you hate tracking, it's a horrible way, <laughs> you know? Again, you, you have to customize this to you. You know, I hate tracking, so I ain't gonna track and I, it would be a horrible way for me, you know? Is tracking every calorie that comes in and being really, really specific with it? Well, yes, technically that's the best way, technically, but you gotta get out of the technical stuff because there's technically what would be the best way and then when it comes to weight loss, there's reality. You know what I mean? So much of what you're going to do is based on your humanness. <laughs> you know what I mean? In your life. And things come at us and our attention's always distracted. Tracking every single calorie is extremely difficult, right? Because if you go out to a restaurant, forget it. You know, even if you're eating what you're eating, it's estimates. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, you have to measure every single thing specifically. You know what I mean? And then still it's an estimate. So, you know, I, I do, I like tracking in the sense of get, of calibrating of educating yourself of where you're at. What I prefer more is structuring my eating. And so I structure my eating, so I start eating the same things for breakfast, lunch, dinner, pretty much all the time. I mean, like, again, it changed, my dinners change. My, I don't eat the same dinner every day. I eat the same breakfast Monday through Friday. I eat the same lunch pretty much Monday through Friday. And then Friday, you know, Saturday and Sunday come and I have more pleasure eating, but it's similar stuff week after week. And then the dinners are different each night, but um, I don't know if you can hear all the, the hoopla. Um, and, the, and the dinners are different each week, but they're the same. They're different each night, but the same each week, pretty much. You know what I mean? So there's a structure, there's a stability there. And so what happens is your weight's going to reflect that. And once that happens, now you can be strategic. 
You know, that's why I say before you even try changing your weight, you should structure it and start to recognize what do you eat for breakfast? What do you eat between breakfast and lunch? What do you eat for lunch? And you should do this for each day of the week. This is exactly what I do with my clients in the program. It's, it's get clear on what your patterns are. And I'm not saying you eat the same thing all the time. So it's like you might have different things you might eat for lunch on Mondays, you know, but get clear on that and start to get a picture of what you typically eat and then start being strategic with, with cutting the calories out of there in the easiest way possible. I hope that makes sense. Um, Jill says, why do some hit plateaus, but some lo lose all the time? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, why do, you know what I mean? Like, why, why do like coal miners that all work in, in coal mines for their whole lives, why do some get lung cancer and some don't? You know what I mean? Like, again, people tend to think of like weight loss, like the bank account, like credits and debits, but your weight is much more like the stock market. Like there's just so many different factors that, that come into play. Which is why, again, I suggest you structure your reading for you. Get down to like kind of a, how do I typically eat in a week that I'm comfortable with? Notice where your weight comes when you live that way and then start being strategic, you know, to lower the calories, you know, in, in a certain way. Can you talk about what you do to curb cravings? Yeah, curbing cravings. I mean, the primary thing I do is to eat healthier food and less um, addictive food, you know, which is to say less powder, you know, specifically sugar and flour are two of the most addictive substances you could be put in your body food wise. And so that's causing a lot of the cravings, right? You're not usually craving apples and carrots, right? It's, it's stuff that's usually made out of flour, corn, um, sugar, you know, hyper palatable. And so I eat a more clean diet. Um, that's my first step to, to curbing cravings. Um, but to get there, I would say it comes back to what I always focus on is mindset. You know, the way I think about foods that give me cravings, you know? So the way I think about candy, the way I think, think about sugar does a lot of the heavy lifting, right? So again, I always use this example, but if you're a non-smoker, you're not fighting its cravings all the time, and that's why you're a non-smoker. The way you think about cigarettes prevents the cravings, right? The way you think about cigarettes it either makes you feel indifferent to them or disgusted by them, you know? And so you don't have any cravings, you see? So, so that's where you want to go to, you know, on, on a mindset level, that's the core of it. The way I think about processed food and sugar and addictive foods, that's doing most of the heavy lifting for me. So I want to make that clear. So I don't want to just say, oh, because I eat healthier foods, because really the reason I'm able to do that is because the way I think about um, foods that give me cravings, you know, and uh, I've done a lot of research on that. You're vegetarian, aren't you? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty much vegetarian. I, I eat some fish here and there. Um, so I guess technically it's pescatarian and I never... I, you know, I've been a, a vegetarian for 25 years and I get on TikTok and I says a vegetarian and it's like, apparently vegetarians are very strict. And so I'm a pescatarian and they get very offended if I say I'm a vegetarian. So I'm a pescatarian <laughs> officially. Don says our own plan is the only thing that works long term. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so it takes a little bit longer, but you know, it's like then you have a plan that's custom made for you and that changes everything. Um, yeah. Samantha says how handle ha household members eating very differently. Lots of fast food. Yeah, that's a challenge. It's a real challenge, you know, that you need to consistently focus on and work on fixing, you know, but you can do it, you know, it just takes, that's your challenge, you know, and, and it's a tough one. So, you know, a lot of that's motivation work, you know, getting really, really clear on um, why you want to do this and how you want to do it, what your challenges are and how you want to, you know, meet those challenges. Um, but it is a challenge. And, you know, listen, how do we get through challenges, right? I mean, if challenges were easy to overcome, it's not just like, oh, this, I'll just do that. Working through challenges is hard, consistent work, 
you know? So again, what'll happen is you'll get motivated. Oh, thanks, thanks my buddy here is happy Easter. Um, you know, like you'll be in a good mood one day and they'll bring the fast food in and you'll say, no, great. And the next day you're in a shitty mood and you go and they bring it in and you eat it. Okay, but you learn from that. You know what I mean? You learn from that and you keep optimizing. That, that's the point. No one ever approaches weight loss like this. You know what I mean? It's that all or nothing mindset. Um, but you take that on, that's my big challenge. And you start to recognize, you start to analyze it. When are they coming in with the fast foods? Where am I at when they come in with the fast foods? You know, do I have other options ready to go? Why do I wanna lose weight? What's my motivation, you know? So you go through all this process and you get yourself rock solid, you know, and you get to a point. I had the same thing, you know, when I started losing weight, I was living with my mom and she didn't really support the weight loss that much, you know what I mean? Um, and so I had all this shit around me and uh, you know, Again, it's just, it's working through it. But again, don't you don't have to be perfect. That's the kiss of death. You know, you're in a situation like that, like a challenging situation, and so you're not gonna be perfect. And you don't have to be perfect to lose weight. You have to stay engaged though. You have to stay on the path. And you keep looking for solutions that work for you. And you'll get there, you know? Um, what do you think about Diet Coke? Oh, that's a good question, Nuka. I just, I just did a whole thing on that. Um, I think Diet Coke's better than regular Coke in terms of calories. And I think it's not good compared to water or natural drinks. Um, for the two reasons I just mentioned, number one is that the the diet so the, the artificial sweetener triggers a hunger response because when you drink the when you have the sweetness on your tongue, your body is anticipating a lot of calories coming in and glucose coming in, and so it releases insulin and lowers the glucose levels in anticipation of, of the glucose coming in. Because in nature, when you eat sugar, there's calories coming, okay, and so your body lowers your glucose levels and that causes you to feel hungry. And so there's no calories coming, <laughs> you know, it's a Diet Coke, but, but again, it's creating that response. So you may, not, you may not get the calories from the soda, but there's a great chance that your hunger is gonna cause you to eat something that's gonna well make up for that calorie saved from the soda. So that's the first thing. Second thing is that the diet sodas are so sweet, it calibrates your tongue to unnaturally, you know, hyper palatable flavors. And so natural, healthy, you know, foods taste um, boring you know, boring and bland. So when you're drinking diet sodas regularly, trying to eat healthy is a lot harder because again, taste is relative, you know? Um, once I remove much of the processed food, I no longer reaction to them. Yeah, that's true, exactly. But again, the way you get there is, is it's always the mindset work first. And you know, that's all, all I was doing in my program, but a way you can do some mindset work with whatever food you're struggling with is watch some document documentaries on processed food on snacks on sugar you know what i mean get get a reframe you don't understand you've been hypnotized by the food companies your entire life so that you minimize the effects of sugar and flour and processed foods and all that shit you know but it's it's deadly it's literally deadly it, it's ruining your life if you're overweight and unhappy you know um or dealing with any health issues you know it's a real problem again i i, I refer you back to cigarettes the history of cigarettes is a real good parallel to the food Literally, it's the same companies. You may not know this, but literally, R.J. Reynolds bought into Kraft. It's like it's the same company now. The food companies at this point, that the processed food companies, the big ones, are the same thing as the cigarette companies. They're the same company, and so they're trying to make the most addictive products possible. They're using the most deceptive marketing, and, and they're just they're exactly the same mindset. And so, just like the cigarettes were thought to be fine, you know, and they weren't. They were, you know, in the 50s, there was no PSAs about how dangerous cigarettes were. There was no studies out there about how they're going to give you lung cancer. And so people out there smoking, not knowing it, but they were just as deadly, right? And so the food is the same thing. We're sitting here eating this shit like it's fine. It's not. It's food cigarettes. You know what I mean? Now, I'm overstating it a hair, but not really because weight-related issues are the number one cause of preventable death. So I don't know. It's just the way we frame things.
you know? And so I would do some research on that and that'll change the way you think about it and make it easier to not eat them. Um, Jill says, I think clean eating gives best weight loss. Yeah, obviously, you know, obviously. Cause you're doing what your body was designed to do. You know, when you're eating all this processed food, I mean, this, we've never even, in the history of the world, we've never eaten shit like this. You know, it's been 50 years of eating hyper-processed food. It's all hyper-processed unless it's, and even, I hate to say this, but even the even the produce section's hyper, um, you know, modified, you know, in a way, not even genetically modified, but it, it's bred, you know, um, I forget the word they use for it, but it, it's made to be, you know, the sweetest, the biggest, all that, you know. Um, real food, you know, when we were hunter-gatherers, the foods you were eating, um, it was like the, the strongest survived, you know what I mean? And, and it was a completely different quality of food. And now with the engineering and stuff, but, but anyway, I'll get off track, but the, the processed food, forget about it. You know, it's 50 years of that. And, um, has all sorts of problems, but, but yeah, your body wasn't meant to eat any of that stuff. You couldn't think about it this way, you know, t thinking about the powders, you know, like, like most f modern foods, right. You've got flour, sugar, corn, and these things are ground into these, these flours Oh, and high fructose corn syrup. But it's like you couldn't spike your blood sugar. If you lived in the natural world, I dropped you off in the woods. You couldn't spike your blood sugar if you wanted to, you know, short of maybe finding a beehive, you know, you, you literally couldn't spike your blood sugar. Think about that, right? Literally, you couldn't do it, <laughs> you know? So you would, you would li live in a natural world. I mean, geez, even before 100 years ago, you know, sugar was like a, a, a valuable spice. It was only grown in a couple areas of the world. No one had sugar until 100, 150 years ago, you know? Um, but imagine you lived a thousand years ago. You literally would live your entire life without ever spiking your blood sugar, you know, short of if you ate honey, you know? And so it's like now we're spiking our blood sugar six, seven, eight times a day, dramatically, you know? And so it's like it, every time you do that, it's just like I always visualize in my mind, like just punching myself in the stomach. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just, it's so systematically bad for your body to be doing that, that it is, um, you know, it, it's it's hard, you know, to, to think about how how crazy that is. You know what I mean? But we lose context of it because it's been normalized. Again, just like cigarettes were normalized. Oh, they're fine. They used to have ads with doctors smoking cigarettes. Oh, this is the healthiest cigarette. Do you know what I mean? So it's like these ads can make anything seem like anything. And you're living in this illusion. You've got to break yourself out of it, though, because, you know, like if you're eating that shitty processed food, it's kind of like um, being a smoker in the 50s. You know what I mean? Again, it's just as deadly, but you got to wake yourself up from it. You know what I mean? Because it's literally that deadly. Am I being crazy? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like a nut because a lot of people don't think like this, but when you look at the facts of it, I, I think they're true. I don't know how anyone would argue with that. Jill says salad, no dressing is a go-to when eating out. Okay, yeah, great. But you can eat, you know, I had this conversation yesterday about the dressing. You know, if you don't eat any salads and you want to eat salads, but you only like them with a certain dressing and it's not the healthiest dressing, who gives a shit? You know, it's kind of like a teaspoon of sugar makes the medicine go down. You know, get that salad in your body. Who gives a shit if it's some chemical dressing, you know, high fat dressing, whatever. Again, you know, if you could take your weight loss in stages and, and think about it long term, you could be way more strategic, you know. But but that's great, Jill. If you could do that, that's awesome. Um, uh, let's see. Don says, Thursday, my joy, eat lunch, fresh local sourdough, slice a sandwich a day. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, about consistency. That consistency is the most important thing, I think, you know, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Don says, Jill, great, great figuring it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nuka says, your lives are helpful. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad. Um, Jill says, just see a guy before this, and he is so cool. Says that. It's about junk food. Um yeah, yeah, they made it glamorous for a lady to smoke. Yeah, they made it glamorous for everyone to smoke. There's movie stars and you want to be cool smoking. 
Um, it's just, they're doing that with the food. You know I mean? Think about it. You see millions, millions, millions. Oh, alcohol is to clean wounds. Yep. Yeah. Done it with alcohol. Right. Um, do you think the obesity problem is from becoming more sedentary processed foods over consumption? Um, yeah. Okay. I love this. This is my favorite conversation. This is a video I'm working on. Um, the, the obesity, uh, uh, conspiracy that's what I call it so so we can all go to whatever but I think the obesity conspiracy is three main players it's the food companies the diets and the medical establishment so the food companies we know I mean they're using all this advertising they're making the most addictive products possible they're advertising in the most immoral ways possible um, the diets are the same things as the food companies in case you didn't know Weight Watchers was owned by Heinz Jenny Craig was owned by Nestle uh, the company that owns Atkins Food Products, the same company that owns Onions, Pretzels, and Cinnabon. The company that owns SlimFast, the same company that owns Ben & Jerry's. So they're the same. So if you're trying to diet and you're wondering why you can't lose weight, it's because the diets are a carnival game. They're, they're just a trick to, to make you feel like you're going to lose weight. Because again, if you're on here, how long have you been trying to diet for, right? <laughs> I mean, you've probably been trying to diet and lose weight with diets for 20, 30, 40 years. And you're no, you know as little about how to lose weight now as you did before you started your first diet. You know, those diets are... I'm not going to go into it right now, but um, the diets are, are literally a, a trick, a carnival game. You know the carnival games, right? Because I always get tricked with the, the big softball in the basket one where you're walking by and the guy's like, boop, throwing it over his head, behind his back. Every every time he throws it, it goes right in the basket. And you're like, I can do that. Then it's like you go and try it and bounce, bounce out. It's, Wait, what happened? I thought this was easy. You know, and never get it in there. Diets are the same way, you know, but... Again, I, I do these lives to try and wake you up from the diet mindset, you know, because that's what's keeping you trapped being overweight more than anything else. But so, yeah, the obesity problem is a combination. But the biggest one is that the biggest one is it's an increase in calories. You know, the average American consumes, um, I believe it's 740, uh, might be 1200 calories more. I'm, I'm blanking on it, but it's a considerable increase in calories. You know, and so that's the big one. But it happens because of what you're saying. It happens because the processed foods um, make it so easy you know, to, to overconsume calories, you know? Um, and so there are a lot of factors to it, but the overconsumption happens because of the processed food. I mean, again, when I say the food companies are making addictive products, I always use this as a reference to point out the ridiculousness of it. And again, I could talk about this for hours, but um, one example is Frito-Lay has a whole campus down in Texas. And in this campus, because again, you, you know, you always think like chefs slaving away at recipes for you to eat your food your junk foods you know and your packaged foods but it's chemists it's literally chemists you know making this shit they've got a um a, a machine it's a forty thousand dollar machine that chews chips to find the perfect pounds per square inch that's the most addictive to chew do you know what i mean the level of their ability to create addictive products is beyond what you're imagining you know what i mean it, it's it's unbelievable this, this the techniques they're using for the commercials to get us addicted to food is, is just beyond anything the psychological triggers i, I mean it just i don't want to get into it but that's a big question. The obesity problem is a number of things, but to, if I simplified it, it's processed food more than anything else because you could be sedentary, continue to be sedentary, um, and you could continue to want to overconsume. But if all of a sudden all you could eat was natural foods, um, you're going to have a way harder time overconsuming, right? Go, go eat a bag of carrots and let me know how easy that was, okay? Go eat a big giant bowl of greens and let me know how easy it is to Eat, eat, eat a lot of calories, right? It's almost impossible. And then it doesn't matter if you move because again, your weight comes down to the calories you're consuming on average. That's that's the main thing. Of course, moving has its benefits and it's helpful for sure. Um, and that is a factor. I, I don't want to dismiss that. We, we work a lot less, even just in the last 50 years, 
right? And so now it's very, I mean, even 50 years ago, there was people working a lot more factory jobs and with their hands and with their bodies. And now we just sit at desks all the time. So, so that is a part of it too. I want to make that clear. But the big part's the food, um, for sure. The old flake. Um, look what food you're giving in hospitals. Yeah, 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 Joe, right? I, I know the food in hospitals it's, they, and in schools. Again, it, it's, it's it's a bummer. It, it bums me out hard because it's, that's why, I, and that's why I said that, right? So I said it's the food companies, the diets, and um, the medical establishment, you know? And the medical establishment, like I love doctors, I love medicine, but let's be honest, it's a system that's built on treating the symptom because that's where all the fucking money comes from, right? It makes me, it, I start getting crazy with this one because you can go to the doctor, 150 pounds overweight, type two diabetic right around the corner heart disease and when they say ah you know what you, you probably should lose some weight all right see you next year you know what i mean they got nothing to say and let's be honest their whole business model revolves around selling you insulin and treating your you being you have uh, maybe this will motivate you um if you don't like cigarette companies this might be motivating to you but you know how much money is made off of you being overweight unhealthy and unhappy I and mean, that's the economy basically you know the medical establishment's right there they're all about treating the symptom they're never talking about the, the cure and you know it. Yeah, you go to the fucking hospital. People sick, and they're sitting in bed, and they're feeding this trash, pure trash. It, it, it makes me violently angry when I go into hospitals. I see this. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. And what's happening is you never get the education about what real eating is. And because there is so much influence and money being made by you eating shitty food that you really have to step out of it. Again, you have to, you're in a trance with the food the way you think about it. It's a primary thing keeping you overweight. And you got to snap out of it. Just like a, a, just someone who smoked, you know what I mean? I snap. I say, oh shit, this can be lung cancer. Oh my God. And, and then it's slowly dawning us all the effects. The lung cancer is, that's the last thing. There's a million things that happen before that, that that are horrible for your body. And I'm telling you, it's the exact same thing. The exact same thing's happening with the food, right? It's gotten to the point where it's like, oh, type two diabetes. Mm, we'll just live with it. It's gotten to the point where people are like, well, I'll take the type two diabetes medicine to lose weight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're just, uh, it's, anyways, it's craziness. They all just take your money. Yeah, they all just take your money. You know what I mean? And they're always trying to get it. And they get you every direction. That's why the, the diet thing, I always tell you that because they're, they're getting you literally. Like, I, I, you don't understand. You know what I mean? Like, like you, I've been studying this shit so much and I don't, I'm not like, oh, big deal. But it's like, you wouldn't believe the depths they go to to manipulate you. I mean, it's just so, and it's every direction possible. You're never getting a straight answer which is why i do these lives i do these lives for free and i do all this shit for free because my dad died of a heart attack so to me like your weight is life and death what you're eating is life and death to me you know and so i don't i mean there's good people out there so i'm not saying there's no one but but it's like there needs to be a lot more because all the money is behind you eating shit and loving it the whole time just like they love giving you cigarettes until all of a sudden it took all that time you know what I mean? To start changing that mindset. I'm telling you the exact same thing's happening with food to you. It's up to you to snap out of it. You've got to take it upon yourself to snap out of it because these people will, I mean, they don't want to kill you, but they don't mind if you die along the way as long as they're making their money. Ah, all right, <laughs> calm down. Um, Dunn says, first year off diets, I'm 51. People dieting for 25 years. Yeah, there you go, right? Guy says, well, so I opening capitalism is killing us. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> you know? Ugh. Big Pharma is looking for customers. Yeah, I mean, it is. And I think it's important to see it that way. That's what I was talking about, right? So the things I just shared with you, someone, oh, Cassie, yeah, you asked how do you deal with cravings, right? Well, I'll tell you what helps deal with cravings is when you have this mindset, <laughs> when you understand everything I just shared with you, do you feel a little different about those foods you had cravings for? 
you see what I mean? So, so again, your weight comes down. It's a mindset issue. It's 100% of my, not 100, but that's like 90% of mindset issue. Your mindset is affecting your weight more than your hormones, your genetics, your type two diabetes, any of it. Your mindset's the number one thing, you know? And you have to really like seek it out because you're, you're inundated, you're surrounded, um, you know, by, bad messaging so so speaking hypnosis again i always joke that like when i became a hypnotist that i thought i was going to hypnotize people to lose weight but what it really is it's waking people up out of hypnosis they're all in hypnosis so i have to wake them up out of it and in my program it's like you know in the morning there's hypnosis sessions at night there's a hypnosis session it's always new messages and you need that because if you think about in your life where are you getting positive supportive encouraging messages you know encouraging you to eat healthy giving you positive messages about your health, about how you're eating, about how you're living, you know? And you quickly realize, oh, nowhere, nowhere, nowhere. <laughs> Literally, you tell me. And if you're getting it from somewhere, please let me know, because I, I, I'll promote them, you know what I mean? Um, but I don't think you're, I don't know, where are you gonna get it from? You know, everyone's selling the bullshit, you know? To, yeah, Jill says, start at 16, at 57. Yeah, you can spend your whole life trying to diet. <laughs> Thought of Jill and Twinning. That's funny, I like that. Um, yep, doctors love giving meds. Yeah, great kickback from pharmaceutical. I mean, their whole, again, I don't even blame the doctors. You know, th that's a shocking stat, and I don't know what it is now because I remember reading this years ago, but the average doctor in America anyways, th at the time, it was like 10 hours of nutritional information. Do you see what I mean? Like, like it's not, again, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not, doctors are just part of the system. You know what I mean? They're smart people that want to help people and this is what they do. But but let's be honest, it, it goes into, and they do help a lot of people. So I'm not saying they don't, but I'm saying nutritionally, your doctor doesn't know. I know more about, I know a million times more than your doctor does about how to help you lose weight. You know what I mean? Like what your doctor doesn't know shit about how to help you lose weight. You know, unless it's a surgery doctor, you know, it's like, they, they again, they just think, they think in medicine, you know what I mean? So, so everything's about what? Treating the symptom. You know, it's never about getting to the core cause. And so you're just not getting that information, all right? Um, wow, good point. I think I'll think about this next time I'm craving. Yeah, that's that's the first step to it. You know what I mean? Now, again, it's not enough just to say no to stuff. We have to create what we want to do as well. Um, but that's the first step is really reframing these foods that you're so addicted to, you know? Um, you know, it's, it's helpful. Because again, with cigarettes, if you're a non-smoker, I like using that as a reference because you have all this negative you know, energy directed to cigarette companies and drug pushers, drug dealers, right? We don't like drug dealers. <laughs> but we love doctors. We don't like drug dealers. But I mean, like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, like it's just, um, we don't like them because why? Because they, they take advantage of people. You know, they use addictive things to get them sick. Well, what do you think's happening with the food? You know? So that might help you eat better. It's so true. We're responsible for our choices. And once we accept this, weight loss begins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You got to, you got to, um, you have to take account of it because no one's going to help you with this. It's just like the smoking. You know what I mean? And it's worse than the smoking. You know, but you got to think. Again, looking at the cigarettes is really inst instructive because um, the, uh, the the cigarettes, you know, in, in the 60s, that's when the studies start coming out that they cause cancer. And what happened is the cigarette companies sat on those studies. They flooded the zone with different studies to confuse people. And then they started coming out, you know, in the 70s. And that's when they divested from cigarettes and went into the food industry, you know? And again, you can look at any, go look up, um, you know, obesity rates and diabetes. There's a map. You can look it up. I gotta make this video because you wouldn't believe it. It's, it's like 25, 30 years of the obesity and diabetes rates in America are bonkers. Like you wouldn't believe your eyes when you watch the map. It shows, you know, what percentage of people are overweight and obese. We're up to 70%.
You know what I mean? And diabetes, I mean, and heart disease. I mean, we're talking about you dying. You know what I mean? Like, like you don't even think of it that way. They did the Framingham Heart Study shows a, a woman who's overweight is going to live on average three years less. A woman who's over obese is going to live on average seven years less. I've said this to people. I say, oh, those are the worst years. I say, you're talking like a fucking idiot. You, you know what I mean? Like, like you know what? Give me a call <laughs> last years because I know my neighbor's 98. She don't want to give up any years. You know what I mean? Like, like you got to break yourself out of the trance, man. I mean, this is life or death here. I, I don't answer the whole quality of your life the, along the way. What are you thinking about losing weight 24 hours a day? Like you're always thinking, that's like probably the main thing you think about. Oh, my weight. Oh, I'm worried about my health. I look like shit. I feel like shit. Oh, God, I got to lose some weight. Oh, God, oh, I'm eating that again. Oh, oh, no. What am I doing? Oh, I look so fat. Oh, God, that's a picture. You know what I mean? Like, like all day long, your whole life. That's not even a life. It's, it's an addiction. You know what I mean? You're caught up in it. And just like every other addict, you, you justify it. I don't mean to get so, so you know, on you about it, but, but I'm trying to make a point, you know, because you never hear this message, though. And you, you tell me if it's not true. You, you know what I mean? Just like the cigarettes were fucking true, right? The cigarettes were true. No one's arguing that anymore. No one's like, oh, cigarettes aren't that bad. You, you hear that person? <laughs> Do you ever hear the person anymore? Do you ever hear that person? Nah, cigarettes aren't that bad. What are you, stop being so dramatic. Like, cigarettes aren't that bad. You don't hear that, right? But but what about the food? Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'll, listen, if you went back in a time machine 50 years ago and you'll go, hey, cigarettes are really bad for you. Get the get out of here. Who are you? Uh, health nut. <laughs> you know what I mean? You go back 50 years in a time machine and start telling people cigarettes are bad for you. You're going to get laughed. It's like me. Oh, health nut. Oh, he's starting to call you a health weirdo. Get out of here. Yeah, I'll take the food. Yeah, those are the worst years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just like boo, it's it's insanity, you know? But um, that's why, you, so you wonder, like, well, I can't lose the weight. Well, you're wrapped up in a, in a trance. You, you don't have a chance of it. Just like, again, a, a, someone in the 50s who was smoking, how are they going to quit smoking? You, you know what I mean? Like, like wh what's their motivation? They don't realize it's causing lung cancer. They don't realize out. And that's another part of it. Think about that part of it. Again, the cigarettes stuff is fascinating. But imagine 50 years ago, you would say, hey, listen, those cigarettes are bad for you. No, they're not. How do you not know they're bad for you? You keep putting all this smoke in your lungs. You don't notice any effects. You don't notice you smell like shit. You're coughing all the time. Your teeth are yellow. You don't notice any of this? No, you don't because they're in a trance and that's how powerful the human mind is. Uh, cigarettes are fine. Um, I got all these shitty factors happening and it's fine. And that's what's happening to you with the food is that you think it's so great because your belief system is overriding the reality of what's right in front of you. And you don't realize, you're like, oh, I wish I could lose weight. I wish I could lose weight. You don't realize it's going to reduce your lifespan. It's decreasing your quality of life, not because you look big, it's because you feel like shit all the time from eating this stuff. And emotionally, you feel like shit because you can't change it. You know you know it's an addiction, but you can't even see it that way. So it's just like, you're like, what's wrong with me? I just don't feel that good. You know, I don't know. So I don't get all dramatic, but it's it's true, right? Right? Um, Cass, I just want to thank you so much for what you're doing. It's so valuable. I'm glad. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, Jill says, I work and care. The people who live the longest are slim, and I mean, they've been slim all their lives. Yeah, of course. I mean, being slim is associated with longer lifespans. I mean, and it's like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you just think about, most people just think about their weight um, aesthetically, like like how they look superficially, and they're not looking at the inside. That's why I'm actually, and Jill, let me just tell you, I've got to get out of here, but um, I am doing a webinar tonight. So if you, uh, and by the way, you should already be on my email list. If, if you don't know me, go to my bio 
click on that link and get the hypnosis session, okay? Um, and if you want to go to the training tonight, it's programyourselfthin.com forward slash now, N-O-W, okay? Um, it's at 7 o'clock, okay? If you can't make that, get on my email list, okay? But if you want to go to that, that webinar tonight, I'm going to be doing that. Programyourselfthin.com forward slash now, N-O-W. Okay, you should, you should get on that. Um, yeah, totally. My grandma, 98, is always thin. Yeah. And if you haven't been all thin all your life, get thin now because it's still going to increase, most likely, you know, the, the longevity. Yeah, the oldest people I look after is 105. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it's, it's feeling good, too, the whole time. Yeah, facts, right? Of course. Yeah, I've been tired for years. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, you know, I never really thought of it that way either, though. Like, but if you put yourself in a time machine 50 years ago, it's like, everyone thinks you're crazy. You say cigarettes are unhealthy. But but the main point to me as a hypnotist, we're always in trances. We don't live in reality. We live in our version of reality. And if you were a smoker back in the 50s, you didn't even know cigarettes were bad for you. That's how strong your mindset can be. You could have all the effects that cigarettes are causing. Think about it. Right, you're smoking 20 cigarettes a day, 20 combustible smoke into your lungs for 20 years. You know what I mean? It's not just lung cancer at the end. It doesn't just turn into lung cancer one day and you die. It's it's a progression. You know what I mean? And they know. I, I gotta look it up. I, I I can't forget off the top of my head. But all the negative effects of um, cigarettes. It, it's not just the lung cancer. You know what I mean? That's the final stage. But there's all things ahead of it. You know. And so it's the same thing with the food. And you just don't see it. You know, you're tired, you feel like shit. Emotionally, you feel drained, and you're looping, oh, I gotta lose weight, I gotta lose weight for, for forever. And it just sucks. Do you believe in the set point theory? Yeah, I believe in the set point theory, and I believe it's mental. I believe it's your self-image. I think people that are overweight identify as overweight people. And the shift, I just made a video on this. I gotta get out of here, but go watch it. it I literally just talk about the set point. It's like, it's the one of the last four videos I did. So go to my, my thing and watch that, because um, I talk about that there. But I think it's a self-image. I think it's, it's mostly a mental thing. You know, which is a whole conversation I could talk about forever here. Um, I can tell how passionate you are about all this. Yeah, I think I, I get worked up about it sometimes. Yeah, seven seven Eastern tonight. Um, I thought I had a set point. However, I can get lower. Yeah, of course. I thought I had a set point too. It's a mental thing, you know. Um, thanks for all you do. We appreciate you. Thanks, Kelly. Appreciate that. All right, everyone. I gotta get out of here. Go um get that hypnosis session. And then yeah, if you want to get on the, the webinar tonight, it's free. You know, it's totally free. Uh, it's at seven o'clock. Go to programyourselfthin.com forward slash now, N-O-W, and I'll see you there tonight. All right, everyone, have a great day. Bye.